This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Grant and Danny on the fan. Much appreciate everybody listening to the show. Danny will be back on Monday. Hopefully at that time, he and I are chopping it up, discussing a commander's win over the Browns. Speaking of the commander's, we will cover them in the Beltway Blitz. A couple of teams from now. We've also got the caps to get to, but we got to start on the hardwood. The Blitz begins with a Wizards team that has won four of its last five. And how about a 25-point win over the Phoenix Suns on Wednesday night? And they're favored tonight because the Magic, I don't even know who's suiting up for them after all of their players left the bench in a skirmish a couple nights ago. Our buddy Wes Hall's got some answers. NBC Sports Washington pre and post. Wes, things are looking up after a losing streak that felt like it would never end. The boys are rolling. That's why you got to have faith, Grant. You got to have faith. And now, mind you, I know it's difficult with a 10 game skit, so I appreciate everybody who's still on the board with us. But yeah, man, you know, the last three games have been really entertaining. Uh, this team continues to put up points, guys finding ways to play together. I think the lineup with Porzingis and Gafford gets a jubilous thumbs up from everybody. Can we agree on that? regardless of who Orlando has tonight. Yeah. I, too, don't know their plan. The going big thing has really worked, and I was talking to Ava Wallace about this yesterday. I really actually like, I don't want to say shorter minutes, but it seems like everybody is getting a shot here. Without Beal the other night, it was a lot of guys in that 25 to 32-minute range, and the bench was deep. I kind of like the way they did it. Everyone had legs when they needed them to. Absolutely. I think, you know, it sounds cliche in team sports to say, you know, it's a team sport. But really, when you look at the the tools that the Wizards have at their disposal, when you can say, I can go to the bench and get 30 out of Rui, Rui on a given night, Corey Kispert on any night can give me three threes, no matter who's coming off the bench, Todd Gibson, of all people, Todd Gibson, old and ready. You know, he can come in and give you seven points that he's been averaging over the last four games. No matter who it is, everybody's ready to bring something to the table, and that's what makes these guys, you know, a formidable little team to be matched up against, especially after Orlando. we got to deal with the Bucks twice in the new year. Ooh, it's going to be a challenge. Wizards minus 5.5 tonight against the Magic, minus 210 on the money line, total in the game, 225 and a hook. Here's why I'm interested in this, right? I think this is actually a chance for them to, to prove – that they are turning a corner. They should beat the Magic. And the Magic, we don't know who's in and who's out necessarily because I'm sure there's some appeals and some things still coming down. But for people that don't know, they got into it the other night, and there's a chance that a bunch of guys from this roster aren't going to be able to play in in some of these games coming up. they they got to win this game. Like If they lose, that's it's a really bad loss to me. 
Well, we talk about it all year long. You got to win the winnable games, and when you you know strike up the luck of getting against a team that so many guys are suspended, they can't even serve all the suspensions in one night. I think six of them are going to be out tonight, and then the next one, I think they play OKC, so they'll have some some of the other guys serve it then. You have to win this game. You should win this game. When I saw the line at five and five, I'm like, wait a second. We've won the last three or four times we played them down there, and they don't even have a whole team. But I get it, Vegas, they're geniuses, and it is what it is. But I think that should have been moved up to, like, eight or nine. But you don't want to be overconfident. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll chill out. But I am optimistic. That's how we'll put it. Optimistic. All right. So of the top three best odds, you know, best, most likely odds, um, FanDuel opportunities tonight, I want to see what you like best because I've been tinkering All with right. these. I got a Chris Stops double-double in a Wizards win at plus 174. I got a Monte Ooh. Morris hitting two threes in a Wizards win at plus 178. And then okay. Chris stops 25 points or more in a Wizards win. Really good value at plus 205 there. What do you like? Ooh, the, the last one, the, the, the 225 sounds nice. But the more likely is the first one. Unicorn is going to give you another double-double. He leads the team with him. And a Wizards win, that's more than likely. The only thing that can hamper any of these is that if the Wizards get out to a big lead and they decide to pull those guys and a guy like Jordan Goodwin, who we do appreciate, gets in and goes off for 20. But of the three, if I had to be smart, I'd take the first one, but my heart is with the third one. So does that make any sense? It does. It absolutely does. Where are we at on Beal, by the way, health-wise? What's the update? Uh, we're still game-time decision. He was a game-time decision last game as well, so hopefully he's good to go. If it were me and he's not, I'm fine with that because of what we've seen recently, and I want him ready to go against Milwaukee. We're going to see them on uh, back-to-back, not back-to-back, but back-to-back matchup nights as soon as the new year turns, and I know we'll definitely need him for that matchup. But uh, it'll be a game-time decision. Of course, we'll have it on NBC Sports Washington when it comes up. Yes, yeah, Sunday, by the way, in Milwaukee to start the new year. That's an 8 o'clock tip. On uh, the first, and then the following game is Tuesday night, and they are in Milwaukee for that one again. Right? Isn't that they're yeah. they're that's the weirdest thing ever. They're just staying there and playing twice in three days. Well, yeah, it's, it's part of this in-season series thing that the NBA is doing, and I kind of appreciate it because it diminishes some of the wear and tear of travel on teams, and financially, it's more prudent as well. If you're in a city, if we can stack the schedule and put you know two nights there in a row. I'm cool with that. We did the same thing down in Miami. Now, mind you, those games didn't go the way we wanted them to, but scheduling-wise, I understand it. A little adjustment period, but I think it works out for everybody. It might be a little bit less distracting to stay in Milwaukee for three days than, <laughs> than Miami in terms of the fellas finding other things to do. Hey, Wes, thank you, buddy. Much appreciated. Hey, brother, I appreciate it, and have a happy new year. You as well, bro. Have a great start to 23. All right, let's talk some puck. I'm conflicted. I am happy the Caps got a point last night, but I am frustrated. that They let a second point get away and that they probably should have won a six straight. Mike Vogel, WatchCaps.com, joins us now. Vogues, the second period, I thought offensively anyway, was really good. They, they gave up a goal in the final 20 seconds of the second going into intermission. And right then you felt like, okay, maybe we got ourselves a game. In the end, they gave up a goal with a few minutes left and losing overtime. How should I feel about last night? Yeah, I think uh, you're you're right, Grant. I mean, you're you're happy to get the point, and you're thankful to to Darcy Kemper for for getting the point. Uh, that's the the 45 shots the Caps faced uh, was the most they faced all season, and the second most they faced all season was also against Ottawa back in October when 
uh, let's be honest, they weren't playing anywhere near as, as, as well as they are uh, right now. So, yeah, it's frustrating for sure. Um, the first period didn't go the, the way the way you would hope for, for a team that, that had won 10 of 11. Um, they got outshot, outplayed. Uh, it, it just didn't look good, right? It didn't look like uh, the, the last five, six weeks have looked at all. And like you say, you know, they, they, they found a way to, to cash in on some Ottawa mistakes there in the second period, um, which, you know, the, the two games previously against Ottawa, they hadn't, they hadn't had a, a, a real easy time of it at five-on-five. Five. So you, they, they get those three nice goals from uh, Ovechkin, Strom, and Kuznetsov, and you're thinking everything's cool here. You, you're going to go into the third with a two-goal lead. And, um, you know, the, for me, the, break, the, the breakdown on the second goal was really egregious. And, and an indication that they had gotten away from from what they've been doing well. They've been talking about, you know, playing as a five man unit and all over the ice, and that that that's been, um, you know, at the forefront, at the crux of of their improvement here of late. And and they kind of hung Trevor Van Reems like out to dry there as the only guy in the zone with 20 seconds left uh, in a period that that can't happen. I mean. They, Ottawa was just finishing off a penalty kill, and yet it had two players in, in Washington's zone. Washington only had the one. I don't know how you 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 blow the zone like that that late in a period in, in that situation with a two-goal lead. And credit to Claude Giroux. He made a great play. He made two great plays, one to get a stick on the on the breakout pass and another one to, to get to it and, and fire it to, to Tim Stutzel, who, who made a great move and, and it scored a great goal. It's, but, I mean, that changes the, the the whole complexion of the game going into the third period. Massive difference between a one-goal lead and a two-goal lead. And uh, you just never really felt, I, I, I felt like even the front half of the third period, it was just a matter of when, right? It, they just didn't seem to have the uh, the verb or the, uh, you know, the assertiveness that they've been showing here in the last five or six weeks. So it, it's just one of those games that got away from them, and, and hopefully they learned from it. And they got Montreal coming in here tomorrow and uh, put the foot on the gas and, and, and get two points in that one. And, and I think people will forget about, uh, or, you know, just chalk it up as a lesson learned and, and be thankful for the one point. Yeah, Vogues, it, it took the 41 saves from Kemper because it could have been a lot uglier in terms of goals allowed. I, I was worried when Carlson went down about just how well they were playing on that side of the ice and maybe a regression. Like coach us up now on, on the pairs and some of the options they have and the depth we're going to see here because it's going to be tested a little bit for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, their record without John Carlson in the lineup over the last uh, – since the year they won the Cup uh, is not good. Uh, let me think off the top of my head. I think it is now 6-8-4. and four. Wow. So that, that's – you know, that you're, you're winning one-third of your games and you're getting, you know, points in, in a few more, but – uh, you know, when a guy plays that many minutes and is used in all the situations, uh, everyone, you, you don't have one guy who can who can plug that hole. You're going to have to spread those minutes around. And, 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 you know, a good team, a team with the skill that Ottawa has and, and the speed is going to be able to expose some of that. So, um, you know, without Carlson, you've also got Martin Ferrari out of the lineup, and, and he's also a top four guy. So, uh Ferrari seems to be close to coming back, maybe even tomorrow. Um, you know, he's been out since um, December 3rd. If you can get him back, that would be that would be pretty big. I mean, he's, he's 
is a left-handed bee, so you're still going to have that gap on the right side. Um, but but you can you can massage the pairings. I think you 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 probably. Uh, I'm not sure how they would uh, move the move the guys around to to uh, adjust for that. Um, but I would think that you would either take Matt Irwin or Alex Alexeyev out of the lineup, and and, and that should help because you know Marty's had a, a history in, in his short time here of being able to give you 20 minutes a night. Whereas those other two guys are, are typically more along the 12 to 15 minute uh, range, third pair type of guys, depth guys. Uh, so, so I think if they are able to get Ferrari back, he, he should be back soon, one way or the other. Ideally tomorrow, but uh, I think that would be a big boost. It'd be a huge uh, it, lift. it doesn't sound like we can expect Carlson anytime soon. I just hope he's doing all right. Four o'clock puck drop. Cap One Arena tomorrow. They are home again, hosting. As folks told you, Montreal. Thank you very much. We appreciate you, Mike. Happy New Year, buddy. Yep. Same to you guys. Thanks. Be good. Let's keep the blitz moving. Talk a little football. I don't need to tell you how big this game is for the commanders at FedEx Field on Sunday against the Browns. They got to have it. Ethan Cadeau will be on site for NBCSportsWashington.com. Ethan, I'm about to ask our listeners this question on the phones, and I want to see your answer. Who stands to benefit the most? from reinserting Carson Wentz into the starting lineup for the Commanders? My first choice would be Curtis Samuel. Earlier in the year, it seemed like him and Jahan Dotson had that best chemistry with Wentz rather than Terry McLaurin since McLaurin missed a bunch of OTAs in minicamp while he was holding out for his contract. And even on that drive against San Francisco at the end of the game when Wentz came in, it was Samuel on the receiving end of that touchdown. feels like those two are kind of in a groove, so I expect him to have a lot more production, especially with Antonio Gibson not playing. We could see him in more of a running back style hybrid role as well. So I think Curtis Samuel, that's the guy I'm really keeping my eyes on. Do you expect the offense to be run the same way or to look different this weekend with Wentz? That's the biggest question of them all right now. I'm, I think if they, obviously they want to win, right? But the formula for them to win this whole year has been giving the ball to Brian Robinson 20-plus times, controlling the clock, and playing good defense. And when Wentz was in the lineup earlier this year, Scott Turner got real pass-happy through 40-plus times almost every single start, whereas Taylor Heineke, in all of his starts, he only hit that 40 pass attempts once. So I think they they said all week they want to stick with this run-first approach. Obviously, B-Rob wasn't with the team for the first four or five weeks, but I, I'm just worried if if they get down early or if a few throws start to click, if Scott Turner is going to divert back to that pass-happy attack, and that's where I think things could become troublesome real quickly. No Gibson, as you mentioned, because of Robinson. That doesn't make me lose sleep. Ideally, you'd have him. I worry more about Cam Curl at safety, Benjamin St. Just at corner. What can you tell us about those two guys being listed questionable? Yeah, like you said, they're both questionable. I'm a bit more concerned about... St. Juice than I am with Cam Curl just because he was limited earlier this week and then two DNPs in a row. Usually when you're trending the wrong direction, it doesn't usually look good on Sundays. Whereas Cam Curl, he's been limited all week. Ron Rivera said earlier in the week he was a lot more confident that Curl would be able to go this week than against the 49ers. And that Niners game came down to a pregame workout where he just Cam Curl just really couldn't go. So I do think Cam Curl will be out there. If I had to guess, I don't think St. Juice plays and I think that's a pretty big loss, especially 
against a guy like Amari Cooper, who for his four years he was in Dallas, all he did was torch the commanders. Ethan Cadeau, NBCSportsWashington.com on the Blitz. Why do you think the defense has not been quite as good the last two weeks or so? I think the St. Juiced absence has been big. They kind of stuck him on the other team's best receiver throughout that resurgence winning streak they had, and he performed pretty like pretty strong. And even against Justin Jefferson in that Vikings loss, Jefferson got him early, but then besides that one long play at the end, St. Juice really stood his ground. When St. Juice has been out, they've played a lot more zone rather than man, and that's kind of hurt this defense as a whole. They just haven't been playing as well since a slight schematic switch. So if St. Juice can go, I would expect them to play a little bit more man than they have been in the past when they had success. But if he can, I'm expecting a lot more zone. And who knows, that could lead to some more defensive struggles, especially if Cam Curl, by some chance, can't go. What's your pick for Sunday? I think they're going to win. They have too much to play for where Cleveland, I really don't think they have much to play for anything. They looked terrible against the Brown, or against the Saints last week. So I'm going to go Commanders 23, Brown 16. As we know, this Washington team never likes to make things easy at all but they have a lot more to play for than Cleveland. So I think maybe they'll they'll get up for this one. I like that 23-16 score, and that's right on maybe a point under the uh, total as well. So I can get behind that. Does that mean you've got them making the playoffs then? If Dallas rests their starters in Week 18, I would like to think so. But we could also go down that hole they went in 2017 where the Giants went to Miami after not playing any of their starters for the second half and still beat Washington in a winning in. So I'm not trying to bring up any bad memories for Washington fans here, but it just goes to show there's never any guarantees with this team. I will say this, though. For Carson Wentz to come back in the lineup, this is such a soft landing spot with the Browns on New Year's Day at home and then a Cowboys team whose defense is obviously really good, but with them most likely locked in the five seed, they should be resting starters at least for most of the game. So if they can't get it done in those situations, I'm obviously concerned long-term. And if it doesn't happen, I don't know if Carson's back here next year either. Ethan Cadeau, check him out, NBCSW site. Thank you, buddy. Much appreciated. I'll see you on Sunday. Sure, see you Sunday. Yes, sir. Happy New Year. That is your Beltway Blitz. You just heard the question I'm going to ask you guys next and that I will discuss with myself here, Sands Danny, today on 106.7 The Fan, which is... With Wentz reinserted into the starting lineup, he is QB1 for this Browns game and presumably for the duration, the remainder of this season for the Commanders. Who benefits most offensively from that in this personnel groupings? And if you want to go the other direction, you can do that as well. Is anybody's production going to wane? Who might be hurt by reinserting Carson Wentz? We'll get to that next on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can hit me up at 800 800- 636-1067 on G&D on the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. My first choice would be Curtis Samuel. Earlier in the year, it seemed like him and Jahan Dotson had that best chemistry with Wentz rather than Terry McLaurin since McLaurin missed a bunch of OTAs in minicamp while he was holding out for his contract. And even on that drive against San Francisco at the end of the game when Wentz came in, it was Samuel on the receiving end of that touchdown. feels like those two are kind of in a groove, so I expect him to have a lot more production, especially with Antonio Gibson not playing. We could see him in more of a running back style hybrid role as well. So I think Curtis Samuel, that's the guy I'm really keeping my eyes on. That's Ethan Cadeau's answer to my question. I'll pose to you guys right now. Carson Wentz is back under center in the saddle, in the gun for the commanders. Who's going to benefit most from the quarterback change? MGM National Harbor Listener Lines, 800-636-1067 are yours, and you can tweet me. I'll read some responses at Grant H. Paulson. I hate that Ethan Cadeau ruined my opportunity to say Curtis Samuel first, but I will double down with my guy. Been calling this. Do you remember how often Curtis Samuel got the ball early this season when Wentz was the quarterback? If you have Curtis Samuel in fantasy, play him this weekend. Week one. Against Jacksonville, Curtis Samuel had 11 targets and 8 catches. Week 2 against Detroit, Curtis Samuel, 9 targets and 7 catches. Week 3 against Philly, 10 targets, 7 catches. Through 3 games this season when Wentz was the guy, he was one of the most targeted players in the National Football League and was one of the leaders with 22 catches, averaging over 7 per game. That was through three games. Now, I will also admit that that was a pass-happy team. They fell behind 22-0 at the half to Detroit. They had to throw it the entire second half. They fell behind 24-0 at the half to the Eagles. They had to throw it pretty much the entire second half of the third game of the year as well. Week one was even, and they were ahead, I think, 14-3 at halftime, but they were pretty much throw first for that game anyway. And I bring that up to say that game script dictated more throws means more targets for everyone more catches, you're not going to get 10 or 11 targets or 8 or 9 catches for Samuel this week. But I do think you'll get something like 7, 8 targets, 5, 6 catches, 55, 65 yards, something like that. He had 5 targets, 5 catches, 52 yards, including a 20-yard touchdown, the bulk of which came after Wentz got on the field against San Francisco. The 52 yards in that game were higher than every game 
all the way back to Minnesota, and that's the only time he was over 55 since Wentz was playing. Think about that. Curtis Samuel, for a little while in the passing game, became a non-factor for the most part, comparative to early this season. The first few games with Heineke, he had 53, 50, 65, and then for a three-game stretch, 28, 10, and zero yards where he didn't have a single catch against the Falcons. The Giants game on the road in the tie in, in the Meadowlands, he ended up with a good line, seven targets, six catches, 63. If you remember... Most of that, I would be willing to guess like four for 40 or maybe even five for 50, was on the final drive and overtime of that game. When they went 91 yards and Heineke threw it every down to go down the field and tie the game, it was a bunch of Curtis Samuel with a little bit of Dotson at the end scoring the touchdown. But it's mostly been what you saw in the loss at home to the Giants, three for 44. I think Samuel gets back involved. And this extrapolates out larger than just him, by the way. Because I know that the big conversation with Wentz was he didn't throw to McLaurin, and I think that that's true. I wonder if that was a a lack of an urgency to do so and a lack of a play calling to get him the ball, and if that's changed some with Heineke or if it's just that four looks for him more. That's possible. As Ryan likes to say, four plus 17 always equals six. Except when it doesn't, but sometimes it does. But Jahan Dotson was also way more involved until the last couple of weeks with Wentz than early Heineke. Remember, he was hurt when Heineke took over, so he didn't play in the first three games Heineke started. But then he came back and he caught one ball for 14 yards against the Eagles, one ball for 13 yards against the Texans, and didn't have a catch with one target against the Falcons. Three straight games, first three games with Heineke, Two catches for 27 yards. His first three games with Wentz, he had nine catches for over 100 yards and three touchdowns. And he actually had four touchdowns in four weeks before he got hurt. Now, to his credit, he is on a heater again with three touchdowns in three weeks with Heineke throwing him the ball at the Giants, home against the Giants, and then at San Francisco. He's had five grabs, four grabs, and six grabs, and he's gone for 105 and 76 the last two games. So I would say, number one, Samuel, number two, Dotson. Who is hindered by Wentz? I'm not sure if I would say anyone in the passing game necessarily, but I'll be tracking this McLaurin storyline because you guys have turned me on to this, and I think it is a reality. It seemed like Wentz was more about spreading the ball around to the other guys, not keying on McLaurin, whereas Heineke was kind of YOLOing, and he's down there somewhere just giving him a chance. But for every huge game he had with Heineke, 113 against the Colts, including the game-winning snag at the goal line, 128 in Philly the night they knocked off the Eagles, 105 at the Giants in the tie. And we did see him make similar catches, similar targets against the Eagles in Week 3 when they were playing from behind in the second half. Remember, he had the 45-yard touchdown, went 6 for 102 with Wentz that day. But, but I think Samuel and Dotson's season is coming. I, I think business is about the boom for those guys. Uh, as far as a you know, player who might be hurt by the move, maybe Brian Robinson, if they go away from the run a little bit more often. You know, I would say Gibson, because I don't think they're going to pound it 
to the same extent they had previously, and that means maybe Robinson is going to get most of the work, and, and if you're running a little less, maybe your RB2 gets fewer ops. But Gibson's hurt anyway. I mean, Robinson's carries have been pretty consistent here in that he has had 22, 21, 18 in three of the last four games. The only time he didn't get upwards of over you know, 17, 18 carries was the Giants game at home. Let's hit the phones. Who stands to benefit from the move to Carson Wentz? Yared is in Arlington on G&D. What's up, buddy? Hey, thanks for taking my call, buddy. Appreciate it. You uh, bet. I think uh, I will say the other way around. The guy who's going to benefit is going to be Logan Thomas because he liked to throw to tight ends even when he was in Philly. And uh, secondly, I think uh, because of the secondary of Cleveland, the running back, especially not Robinson, but the backup running back, he's going to have a big game. That's what I think. Appreciate you. So Jonathan Williams you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, Jonathan Williams. I can see it. I mean, I, yeah, Gibson is not playing, so Jonathan Williams, I think he's going to be having a big game on this game. Yeah, he's going to play more than he normally does. If you go back to the end of the year last year, he had some really impressive runs and catches out of the backfield where he cared more than everybody else. Every opportunity for him is critical for the rest of his career. He's trying to prove he belongs. He's, I'm sure, always feeling like it could be the last chance he gets, right? He's always on the bubble of a roster. I've been a big Williams guy since he showed up. I think he's made the most out of you know limited opportunities for the most part. But every chance he's gotten, he's, he's taken and run with. The Logan Thomas call is interesting. Where is Logan Thomas? We finally saw him against San Francisco in garbage time. He caught like three passes in a row on that last drive from Wentz. But he was mostly a non-factor in that game. One catch for six yards in the loss to the Giants. One catch for seven yards in the win over the Falcons. Three catches for 20 yards in the tie against the Giants. Two catches for 12 yards in the Monday night football win in Philly. Catchless with three targets against the Vikings. No targets at all against the Colts in his first game back from missing the three games with injury. I have to imagine he's just not 100%. That, that's what I'm going with. And I don't mean the knee from the offseason. Remember, he got hurt and missed three weeks this year. I just have to imagine he's not as explosive or uh, capable physically as what he was. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, he's basically had two games where he's been a factor. And I'm counting the 49ers game that just came you know, since week four, basically. He's had two games where he was involved, counting the garbage time production this past week. And the only other one was the Texans game where he was, I thought, really, really good. In fact, watching that game, it was a reminder, oh, yeah, Logan Thomas is on this team. Remember how good he was two years ago? He went 5 for 65 on six targets. Since then, one three and one catch in the next three games and seven twenty and six yards for a combined 33. It's just not a factor. Now, some of that might be that Heineke doesn't throw to the tight ends as much. We know Wentz, to the caller's point, it was a great point by Yared, whether it was Ertz or Goddard or any of the other guys in Philly, he is always keyed on tight ends. It's always been a fixture in any kind of Wentz passing game. You saw it with the Colts last year as well at times. He did it here in Washington early in the season. Uh, Before he got injured, they had 
the backup tight end, I think it was uh, Armani Rogers, remember, had a 23-yard catch in week one and, and had a couple of receptions receiving from Wentz, right, you know, back-to-back plays early in the season at one point. He, he keys on tight end, so that could be. Maybe it's Logan Thomas time, but I wonder. I feel like if he was the Logan Thomas of a couple years ago, they'd be calling more stuff for him. Let's go to Craig, who's in Woodbridge on Grant and Danny. Hey, Craig. Hey, what's up? Chilling. Hey, my opinion on who's going to benefit most from Winston in there is the other team. <laughs> you don't you don't like his chances to play well, huh? No, I, I look at I'm kind of like on the same page as B. Mitch that wins and losses mean more than anything. It tells you who's going to be in the playoffs and who wins the Super Bowl. The stats, you can have all the stats and all the catches in the world, but if you don't win the game, it doesn't matter. Well, wins and losses do tell you which team will make the playoffs. They don't really tell you a whole lot about individuals, though. Right, but we're talking about working our way into a playoff game. Yeah. You know, that... The wins and losses stat is the most important one to look at, which is why I disagree with them putting Wentz in instead of Heineke. Even though Heineke didn't provide the reason that they won most of those games. Well, he was the quarterback. That's true. He was on the field. And I was the guy in the press box, and you were the guy at home on on your couch. So sit in the same spot this weekend. Keep your fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's you know, if you guys listen to the show, you, you know, I, I just don't play the they won or they lost, and this guy was at quarterback game. It's just it's not a real thing. Uh, Trent Dilfer is better than Dan Marino if you play that game. Joe Flacco is is better than Dan Marino. I I, I can't I can't do that. So I'll, I'll apologize in advance for not even playing along, but. Here's the deal. I mean, Carson Wentz from a the other team benefits thing. The, the one area where the other team's going to benefit from him being on the field over Heineke is that if they get pressure, they're going to sack him. When you get close to Wentz, it's easier to sack him than Heineke. 16% of the time when you pressure Heineke, you get a sack. 24% of the time when you pressure Wentz, you get a sack. It's a massive difference. And what it means is that you'd rather be rushing against Wentz than Heineke. So that's one pretty decided advantage. Everyone says that Wentz holds the ball too long. He doesn't hold the ball as long as Heineke, statistically. Heineke holds the ball for 2.9 seconds. Wentz holds the ball for 2.5. He gets the ball out faster than Heineke. I think there is a confusion or a lack of understanding based on the sack totals of how long he holds the ball. Because Heineke avoids sacks when pressured and Wentz doesn't. Wentz just kind of turtles, goes to the ground. Heineke slips out of the pocket and gets to a point where he can throw the ball away more often. But if you're talking about the other team being happy that that Wentz is playing, here's a big problem for them, is that Heineke is going to give you a lot more chances with turnover-worthy plays than Carson Wentz is going to. And it's really the biggest discrepancy between the two guys. Turnover-worthy play percentage is almost 4-1 to one in favor of Carson Wentz. 
Heineke got lucky, and they didn't all end up as picks. They didn't all end up as turnovers. Some of those fumbles got recovered. But you can't fumble five times in three games, right? You, you can't do some of the things that have happened here at quarterback. And if Wentz does the same, well, they'll move on from him this offseason too. But 3.6% of his plays this year were turnover-worthy. Heineke's got a turnover-worthy percentage that sits with all guys that have been benched, guys like Zach Wilson, or guys that we're not sure if they're good enough to continue to be the starting quarterback for their team. And, and that's really a big difference between the two of them. 800-636-1067 is the number. Who's going to benefit? Who might be hindered by Carson Wentz being back as the starting quarterback for the Commanders? That's the question for you on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's one thing falling in love with a house. And quite another navigating the world of negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a realtor can make all the difference. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Congratulations to Maryland football, a bowl game winner today. Got to eight wins for the first time in 10 years. 16 to 12 victory over the top 25 ranked NC State Wolfpack. A really good defensive team. They won a defensive game. Gave uh, Roman Embi 24 carries, averaged under three yards per carry. He was thumping. Tough sledding today, but they won the Dukes Mayo Bowl, which brings me to this. I'm seeing video of Mike Loxley getting the mayonnaise poured all over him. So if you guys don't know about this, and I'm sure you, you've heard at some point. This is how it goes down. It's a disgusting bit, okay? It really is the grossest thing going in sports. When the coach of the winning team in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl has done his press conference and, you know, they go and they talk to the media and all that, they go and they do this wacky, and I think there's a charity donation involved, which is nice, but they have to sit in a chair, and I don't know who gets to pour the Dukes-Mayo mayonnaise on them, but I think people probably from the company pour mayonnaise all over the coach's top of their head. And almost like, uh, you know, Scherzer after a no-hitter getting the chocolate sauce or a player after a walk-off home run getting a Gatorade bath. The coach just sits there and has a 
big youth soccer. Your dad coaches you, and he's got that two-handled cooler in the back of the car that's, you know, the top screws off, kind of jug of mayonnaise poured all over your head. It's disgusting. It is as awful as it sounds. Well, here's why I bring this up. Mike Loxley, the head coach at Maryland, who we love, he comes on the station, good dude, pumped to see him helping the program get to heights they haven't been at in a while, wore one of those Brian Robinson jumbo hats to have the mayonnaise poured all over him today. Remember the B-Rob big hat that he wore in the locker room and started the big trend all over the country where everyone had these big hats? Mike Loxley, I'm on to you. This is strategic. He wore the big hat, so they pour the mayonnaise right on the hat. It kind of bounces and spills off to the side onto his shoulders. Now, he didn't completely get out of the mayonnaise shower because some got on his arms and and, and his shoulder and his back, I'm sure. But he didn't have to deal with the face with the big brim or the top of the head. This was cheating as far as I'm concerned. You're going to do the gross mayonnaise thing? You can't wear the Brian Robinson big hat and not get any on your face or your head. Watch the video. Check it out. You tell me if you think Locks cheated just a little bit. All right, to the phones we go on Grant and Danny. Josh is in Richmond. Carson Wentz at quarterback. Who's going to benefit? Um, well, honestly, I'm just enjoying the, the whole conversation because, um, uh, you know, we still don't have a warm, fuzzy feeling about either quarterback. We feel they might do good. We, you know, we have our suggestions, but we don't have a clear picture of what works best. But really what I want to emphasize even more, what's more interesting is that Ron Rivera is not in the conversation. When I think really we should be looking at him after two years, we still don't have a clear idea of what quarterback we're going to move forward with. Yeah, three years. <laughs> I mean, not, not even two. This is three years of this, and they don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be next year. We were talking yesterday that they'll be back in the veteran pool possibly, that they're swimming around looking for a – life raft in, in the, the way of uh, Derek Carr or, or Daniel Jones if he's not tagged, which he will be, or Tom Brady if he's available, which I think he's in Tampa or Vegas. But, yeah, there's a real good chance they're looking for a QB again. They're calling on Jimmy Garoppolo like they did last offseason, reportedly. I mean, look, Wentz has a chance in these two games to play well in wins, get to the playoffs, and play well in a playoff game, and he'd be the guy next year because it'll be an easy justification for a staff that chose him the first time to just stand by him and say they were right when they're grading their own paper, so to speak. But the jury is close to being back in here, aren't they? I mean, the the jury's ready to, to rule on this. Heineke played for several weeks, and... It's very similar to what you got in Wentz. And Heineke was already here and made no money. And Wentz, you traded what would have been a second and a third and $28 million of cap space to go acquire. Like, that is a, a net loss. That's a, a really bad thing. You need Wentz to be decidedly better than the journeyman who was on someone's couch, wasn't in the league a year and a half ago, who you could have just stayed with at no cost and built up around him. You need Wentz to be a lot better than that. And they're hoping that now Wentz... Looks a lot better. Now that you've seen Heineke at the Giants, home against the Giants, at San Fran, tie, loss, loss, they're hoping Wentz comes in, lights it up a couple of times in a row here, and and they go to the playoffs and they say, see, he is a lot better. Radio Manassas, Happy New Year, buddy. What's up? Hey, what's up, man? Happy New Year, bro. 
You too. Hey, man. Yeah, I, so I've been doing a lot of diving in, and I think De'Ami Brown and Curtis Samuel are going to be the biggest uh, benefactors. Curtis Samuel, the first five weeks of the season, averaged 6.5 catches per game. And obviously we know what De'Ami Brown does, taking the, the top off the defense. Uh, you know, with Wentz there rather than Heineke. So uh, I really think that the X factor is going the next two weeks is not Brian Robinson. If Brian Robinson is going to do what he does, whether it's with Heineke or Wentz. It just depends on if they give him the ball. But I really believe that Curtis Samuel is about to break out with, especially the way Jahan Dotson has broken out since he's been back from injury. I think Curtis Samuel is going to have a field day, and, uh, and I think they're going to win this week for sure with it. So Appreciate you. He spread the ball around, and they threw it more. You know, that's a big part of it. They might throw it more, and they certainly might throw it downfield more frequently now because they feel like they can. That's what we're going to find out. All right, speaking of finding things out, I want some information on the other wild card hopefuls that are chasing Washington. That's the Seahawks. That's the Packers. That's the Lions. We're going to blitz the wild card hopefuls next on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.